This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Selling a little or a lot. Shopify helps you do your thing, however you Shopify is a global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to the, hey Marge, did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system, wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Running a growing business means getting the insights you need wherever you are. With Shopify's single dashboard, you can manage orders, shipping, and payments from anywhere. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the United States. And Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash ifanboy, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash ifanboy now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash ifanboy. This is the iFanboy Pick of the Week podcast, episode 475, brought to you by Scribd.com and iFanboy listeners like you. Hello and welcome to the iFanboy Pick of the Week podcast. This is episode 475. I am Josh Flanagan. And with me today is uh, my guest co-host, Jim Viscardi. Hello. Of, of comicbook.com. Uh, That's right. Connor is, uh, you know, the thing about having jobs is uh, sometimes you have to go to them uh, instead of doing this when this is no longer your job, I guess. I worked, from, I worked in my pajamas today. It was great. Yeah. You haven't worked from home for that long. Eventually, you'll be like, yeah, I think I need to put clothes on. Yeah, no, no, we've, we've got an office. Uh, Tennessee got slammed with, oh. get ready, three inches of snow, and uh, the entire state shut down. All hell broke loose. What's funny is that I am in my basement, which has become my, you know, since the, uh, since the extra children showed up, uh, that's become my studio. <laughs> and I'm just like, there's three feet of snow outside now that's been there for a couple of months. <laughs> Pretty soon, that three inches, at least three inches of water is just going to be down here. And then I'm going to have to find somewhere else to record. I actually thought that. And then I'm going to have to find somewhere else to record because that is the level of my commitment. Uh, we are iFanboy. We like comic books. Every week we read a stack of comics. One of us picks the best comic book they read that week, their favorite. We call it the pick of the week. We will talk about that book. We will talk about other books and some stuff. Uh, we're going to do some blister mail and uh, hopefully some uh, shits and giggles. That's what I'm saying. Uh, your spoiler warning is that this is a review show, so we're going to talk about them. There may be some spoilers. That's on you. This week I had the pick. <laughs> I don't normally like to give the guest the, the, gonna say, the work stuff. Why don't I get the pick? I, get, I don't. We've never done that. I thought about it, and then I literally thought, you know, if I do that without asking Connor, he's going to get mad at me. <laughs> He's, he's a man who likes tradition. We've never done that before. But this new two-man format, who knows? Who knows? <laughs> so I have the pick, and I had it last week, and I have it again. So you all have to deal with it. Um, oh, so you get it two weeks in a row, and you don't give it to the guests. When, now you're being selfish. I like, I like how you say it like it's a thing I want. Now you're being selfish. <laughs> oh, you get it. I'm like, I would <laughs> gladly not have it. 
That's fine. Uh, pick of the week is Big Man Plans number one uh, by Eric Well, Powell. that's what I would have picked anyway, so. Would you? That's what I would have picked anyway. That's great. Yeah. Uh, by Eric so, Powell. So look at that. It's like I get it. And Tim Weish. Uh, I guess the story is by the both of them, uh, and the art is by Eric Powell. I don't know who Tim Weish is. Um, this was uh, my big surprise of the week. I, I was sort of going through everything, and I saw it, and I thought, oh, that's a new, that's a new thing from Image. It says one of four. Uh, it's by Eric Powell, whose work, uh, whose art I like a lot. I've never really been able to get into the goon, but I've really liked um, the Billy the Kid book he did and some other things, so... He's done stuff that I liked and stuff that that I didn't really get into, but I thought, hey, I'll pick this up, and uh, I was. <laughs> it's dark and grim, and very. Yeah, it is. It's very funny though. Am I like I'm like? Did you? It was funny. Oh yeah, yeah. Well, it, it was funny. I I uh, I spoke to him a little bit for uh, Let's Talk Comics, and he was telling me the premise of it sort of beforehand and how he was looking to sort of. Uh, he likes playing with his sense of humor. Mm-hmm. And when he was describing the book, and I'm like, that book is dark. I don't know how you're fitting sense of humor in there. But when I finally read it, I was like, ooh, <laughs> there it is. It's Okay, so how do I describe this? It's about a dwarf um, <laughs> who, who had a very rough life. His, his mother left and his dad died, and then him and his sister were, were taken off the farm. Um, and then so he was an orphan, and so he just he got the shit beat out of him his whole time growing up. And eventually he joined an experimental program in the army. This is really just the first couple pages. I'm not – this is a setup <laughs> for a larger story that I don't know what the larger story is uh, for a special program where he basically becomes like a, a, a tunnel rat. Uh, and, and But he gets trained to be like a, like a special ops covert Navy SEAL level kind of badass soldier. Um, and it's super grim. It's like, it's like Garth Ennis – Mixed with Ed Brubaker, mixed with that sort of weird mind of Eric Powell, um, and and I found myself like a couple of times like at, really laughing. Yeah, uh, <laughs> it's just sort of how how grim the whole thing was. Um, there's a bit where you know he goes into the tunnel and he, and he kills he, he kills some Viet Cong who are in there, and he starts imagining what 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 they're going to talk to him about. Like or, or what the what yeah. the what the VC would go home and tell their kids about, and so they like they'd tell stories to their children about him at night, and like the the person would say, and it was the translation because they had written it in, like maybe it's Vietnamese, I don't know, yeah. <laughs> but it's like to bed right now, where the tiniest version of death will come for you. He's the tiniest version of <laughs> death, uh, and there's there's sex and violence, and he kills a lot of people. He stabs a Nazi in the neck because he's in prison. Like this book covers a lot of ground. Yep. is is what I'm getting at, and um, you know there got, is there is quite a bit of male nudity, which there's is there more than just the one the one I'm just there's one very like you're you're on the ground looking up, yeah, at his, at his uh, well his post postcoital <laughs> unit, yep, um, yeah, um, <laughs> I just, just like I. I at the end, like, I, I read through this and I immediately like had the. I think I texted you. I was like, "Read, make sure you read this." And then I like I put yeah. it on my Facebook. I was like, "This is the, the, the treat." And so when it got to the point to pick, make the pick, I was like, "This is, this kind of has to be the pick." And the yep. thing is, like I like this is sort of the first little opening, uh, um, cold open of his story. And I don't know what this story is going to be because he, it's his like childhood, and he goes to. 
uh, Vietnam, and then that program ends, so he gets kicked out on the street, and he ends up getting in a bunch of trouble and going to prison, and then and then that's where our story begins, and that's where the issue ends. Um, I can't was, wait to read it, the next one. It was kind of touching in parts. It was. Where, you know, and where, you know, he's getting, you know, beat up or, you know, made fun of as a, a kid and growing up, or you're just sort of like, you know, even if you weren't a dwarf, uh, there were parts of that that, you know, really anyone could sort of relate to in a way sure. that, that I was, I was sort of surprised by, but then there's the, um, uh, like those moments when he's in the tunnels and going after some of the Viet, Viet Cong guys and just the way that Powell worked the, the lighting and like, and like, he's got like weird Punisher like face paint on, yep. on him. And I'm like, that looks badass. His necklace uh, has two where, fingers and an ear. Yeah. <laughs> Um, yep. So he's he's a fairly effective killer. He's the Punisher. He's a very tiny Punisher. Yeah. Um. I really like the bits where like he talks about how his like there's a lot of inner monologue in this, but it doesn't. He's he's interesting, so you're kind of cool with it. Where like he talks about how his dad is the only person to ever call him Big Man without without having any venom to it. This was, I guess, born out of the conversations of the two creators as they they talked about they were going to make their Big Man plans, and and like it was the phrase that came before the story. I guess, and this came came after that. Um, I don't know. I, I, I it was just my my sort of big surprise of the week. I, I had I was, it was I didn't expect uh, this in any way, and and I had a lot of fun with it. And I guess there was a lot of other good books that I read this week, but this was this was my favorite because I guess it was the most unique of everything. I guess uh, it was absolutely stunning. Yeah, yeah it looked great. Like, I don't it think was I made just... that clear. <laughs> it was just. Gorgeous from sort of from top to bottom, which re- and it was. I thought the coloring uh, was done particularly well because it just it just sets it set the mood for each scene. Uh, and like I said, it was just like flipping through it again. I'm just like, God, every one of these pages is just so pretty. Yeah, um, he's he's a he's, but, a, he's uh, a hell of an artist. Like I've never yeah. like if I said I never got in the goon, it wasn't because I was like I don't like the art. It wasn't that. I just right. Uh, yeah. yeah. It was a um, thank good, thank goodness I sort of accidentally picked this up. <laughs> like, oh, I should, you know, let me check that out. What the heck? I've got the pick of the week. I should give something else a shot, and that usually does not return what I want out of it. But uh, it was good, and if you know, if you, I mean, I, you liked it a lot too. But I'd say if you're out there listening and you kind of like the same kinds of stuff that I do sometimes, that I think that that you'll you'll quite you'll quite dig this. Mm. Um, it was, and if not, take a chance on it. Yeah. It's it's three fifty for God's sakes. It's good comic book art. Can't beat that. Yeah. Um, so, uh, this is interesting that you are here because you are the person who got me to read number one of the last Hawkeye series. <laughs> because you sent it to me when you were still working at Marvel, and you're like, you should read this. You'll like it because I was not a big Matt Fraction fan at the mm-hmm. time. Uh, since then, I've liked a lot of things that he's done. So. Uh, it is auspicious then that you would be here for uh, all new Hawkeye number one, written by Jeff Lemire with art by a big favorite of mine, uh, Ramon Perez. Uh, what did you think? Mm. Serendipitous. Um, this, I mean, I think we're going from uh, one one book with uh, daddy issues to another book with daddy issues. Uh, <laughs> this, <laughs> I'm pretty sure, they're like ninety percent of the comics uh, put out today. Anyway, I was going to say, so Josh, t- Josh, tell me about your daddy issues. <laughs> we, do, we literally don't have time. 
this was a an absolute delight. Um, I I loved the last Hawkeye series, but I would argue that um, to me uh, the Clinton that in the other series was not necessarily. Um, Clint, or it wasn't uh, like I feel like some, at sometimes it could have been anyone. Mm-hmm. Where uh, the the fresh sort of setup in uh, Lemire's book, um, I know exactly who I'm dealing with, and it and it and it just feels right. Um, I thought the throughout the story, there's juxtaposition, there juxtaposition of um, you know him on this mission with Kate at a at an Hydra base. And, uh, there's this undercurrent of a, a story between him and his brother Barney, uh, with, you know, their their abusive father. And it was very interesting to see one, how the two stories meshed up and two, how Ramon uh, Perez was putting on a masterclass in comics art, being able to balance both, not only two different styles, but, uh, something that, if you were a huge fan of the past Hawkeye run, uh, it doesn't feel jarring. It's not no. like going from, um, you know, now I'm trying to think of like, not like going from like Steve McNiven to, um, you know, somebody Ramon else. Perez. Yeah. To Ramon Perez. Exactly. Um, well, the, like the, there's the first flashback pages. There's one, two, three, four, four pages of it. Um, are sort of this, this painterly style. Um, that's very not sort of line based. Uh, like the other stuff, and it's very loose. It's very impressionistic, um, and then we but can, very, but very Ramon Perez from like where like Tale of Sand, Tales oh, sure, of Sand, things sure. like that. Like, you know where we fell in love with Ramon. Yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely. Then, uh, then you, when you cut to the the now, um, it I, my immediate impression was, oh, this looks like this looks like it has looked. I, I mean, it looks mm-hmm. like Ramon Perez, but there's definitely an element of what made uh, David Aja's work. You know, and the color and everything, the sort of is Matt, is Matt Hollingsworth coloring? No, this? he's not. Uh, it's uh, it's uh, I have to go to the end to get to it, but it's uh, Ramon Perez and uh, another name that you were going to look up while I, I keep going with what I was going. Yeah, um, and I really liked that sort of that simple, uh, very very sparse of line, uh, you know, cartooning that I think I think Perez, you know, Tale of Sand was like a. <laughs> it was like a, a shot across the bow and I was like he's the most exciting cartoonist that I've seen in a long time when he came out and then you know he did the John Carter thing for a little while and he did a couple of Marvel things here and there but I don't think that he's gotten a mainstream project to shine on and, or or even another sort of like um, auteur thing Ian Herring uh, Ian Herring yep colorist. so it's not Hollingsworth yep um, no and then but yeah, I always felt like I always felt like uh, well I've always I've always been a huge fan of Ramon's work um, I feel like there have there have been some projects where I don't think he's necessarily been the right fit for. Yeah, I think um, that X Men run that I was very excited about. I don't think he was the right guy for that. Yeah, um, but but this book, like the the, uh, the two between like Lemire, Lemire and Perez, just feel like they're completely on the same page in the the, the kind of story that they want to tell. And, and if they can do this on a monthly basis, then. Hallelujah. Well, isn't it really interesting? It occurred to me like halfway through this, I was like, wait, doesn't he do Green Arrow too? Yep. <laughs> wait a minute. Well, uh, no, he I don't he doesn't do it anymore. Yeah, right, but, but up until very recently. He did it for a long time. Um but they're sticking with we're sti- they're sticking with Kate and Clint. 
Um, I don't know why they were there. That was a bad mission. Whoever made that call to send them in there blew it. I guess they, I guess they were saying it was, uh, it was Maria Hill because they were cursing her. Um, I liked this a lot, but not as much as I, I, I know that there were a couple, I don't know. There, it didn't quite fill in everything I wanted with it, but I thought it was really well done and really interesting. And I, I'm going to keep reading it because I was, had Ramon Perez not been the artist and had it not blown me away, I would have been like, ah, I don't really need to read this. But uh, it definitely helped. Yeah, I think, yeah, I I definitely think that there is something to, like the, the two of them together yeah. make me want to keep reading this book. I think, you know, because I read Lemire's Green Arrow when he was doing it with Sorrent, uh, Andrea Sorrentino and, um, and I liked it. Uh, you know, I, I was more in it for uh, Sorrentino's art. Um, but I liked uh, it too, but I stopped reading it. Yeah. I mean, basically like it was okay, but I didn't, it didn't really hook me for the most part. And, and, you know, to be honest, he hasn't done a heck of a lot that has hooked me recently. Mm Um, and I don't know why that is. Uh, I'm a huge fan of sort of his early work and his creator owned stuff. Um, but a lot of the sort of more recent stuff at, at DC wasn't, wasn't very exciting. So this definitely has a, a verve to it that I think, uh, is really nice. Are you are you reading the Valiant? No, the Valiant. You should, well, you should. Yeah, I think I think I think you'd like it because okay. he's on, he's doing it with uh, Kint and um, Repeller of Era, and it's just it, it's uh, uh, yeah. The, his DC his, Lemire's DC work I've um, haven't been the biggest fan of, but I, the, know, some it, of the stuff he's been I, doing I, over at Valiant has been fantastic. And I'm also willing to maybe you know, that may not be all him. I, <laughs> you know, that, that might be the case. Uh, yep. You know, you're working in a system. We're, yeah. a, we're living in a society. Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna flip up the script a little bit because I realize why I put these things together in the first place, and then um, we can move on to Descender number one um, to continue this thread of books uh, of how by Jeff Lemire. Much we love Jeff Lemire. Yeah, and I think that it's been a little while since I've been able to give him any praise, and uh, and I'm happy to do that. This is Descender number one is his uh, creator own book. Uh, debuting from Image Comics with art by Dustin Gwynn. And, and, I mean, here's the thing. Jeff Lemire's a pretty good artist on his own. But this is a couple of uh, hardcore, big-time, real good artists that, he's, that he had books coming out with this week. So <laughs> good for you, Jeff. Um, this is like some straight-up hard sci-fi. Yeah. Like robot. Like this is, this is like an offshoot of, of the Pluto series. This could be some Japanese stuff. Um and at first, before the thing, there's like a there's like a cold open where a thing happens, and there's a giant robot, and he seems to vaporize everything on Earth. I was like, I don't know if I like this very much. And then after that, I was 100 percent in. <laughs> so it's weird because I was just watching Total Recall because uh, one, I had laundry to fold, and it was on Netflix. Well, hold on, hold on. You don't need to make excuses for watching Total Recall. Oh, it's okay. Sometimes. No, sometimes. no. I was watching Total Recall, and anybody out here is going to go, yeah, of course. <laughs> Obviously. Uh, and it was just one of those things where I uh, realized how much I love sort of dystopian future sci-fi. Um, <laughs> Good thing you comics. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but it was just, it was just it's so interesting to see um, a lot of the – there, there were actually quite a few similarities I felt just in terms of uh, how the world um, was sort of how it looked, and I and I love that stuff. And this and this book, Descender, is just 
full of it. Um, and it's, but it, it, the one thing I liked about this was, um, Nguyen's art makes what usually feels like cold and, um, uh, stiff and sharp warm. It made, he made it feel warm and just, uh, you know, super inviting. And it sounds like a crazy descriptor to say of comic book art, but, mm-hmm. um, it was when I was reading it, uh, like I, I knew where we were, but there was just something about it that just felt warm and snuggly. Even though it was a robot. Even though it was a robot. I I I I gotta say, like it, like the kid is it Tim, the ro- the Tim robot kid, like he mm-hmm. reminded me, and, and this is not a bad way, but like he totally reminded me of Adam from Pluto. Have you ever read Pluto? Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. I mean, like, I was just like, oh, it's like that. Yeah, you know, this super powerful robot who looks like a nine-year-old boy who you 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 cannot help but like. I also really like. I really like the setting the setting of the world after the world. Mm-hmm. Like, like at the beginning, they do a thing really quick. Like, there's five point five billion people on this this world, and then something happens, and it's real bad, and then we're left with with the one billion people on the world. So that's a that's a significant decline. Um, it's the same thing like, like, uh, like Pacific Rim was like that. I think like all of a sudden the world is the world after the world, where they're, but they're all trying to get by. Like it's the same thing, mm-hmm. you know? And, and like, like I really love how he depicted the scientist in the change. I'm sorry. I, I'm still, I'm still a little shell shocked that you watched uh, Pacific Rim. I did. I had to, the, I had to, the, the, <laughs> yeah. I mean, everybody seemed to really like it. So yeah. I put it on one day while I was working. Um, <laughs> it wasn't like I like, like made a big night of it. I'm gonna make popcorn and watch it. Although it was it was perfectly enjoyable. It was fine. Oh. Why isn't Charlie Day a big star? Sorry. <laughs> um I I like the I just like the aging that he had done to sort of the main scientist guy and then like he had a gut. He was like just way his eyes were way more haggard and he'd just kinda given up mm-hmm. where he was so young and pretty at the yeah. beginning. Um it didn't look it didn't look like anything. It didn't look like anything that Dustin Gwynn had done. No. It looked like something all new. Um yeah. And well, and part of it too felt like like some of the um, like that all I could see in with that big giant robot guy that you know laser beamed everyone to death mm-hmm. was um, uh, like they to me it felt like a celestial right or sure. you know there, there were some aspects of it that that felt like those those Kirby big ideas um, that you know that I love in in comics that. You know, I was like, "All right, let's let's do this." Well, for me, you know, what's funniest for me is that then there's the bit at the end which looked like it was out of a Jonathan Hickman book, which was like this long list of planets, right. with all these facts <laughs> about them. And I was like, "I'm not going to read that. If I can't get it from context, I don't care." Like it was, so I was like, "All right, it's fine that you know all that. You don't have to tell me. I'm fine. Only Greg Rucka can mm-hmm. do that with me, as far as I'm concerned." Yeah, yeah. See, but see, I loved it, and I, mean, I think a lot of it's because like I like. Um, I'm a huge fan of like the Mass Effect uh, games, mm-hmm. and uh, to me, I like I ate all that stuff up. I want to know about who the different alien races are and and all that stuff. Just it, to me, it's all added goodness. And so I'm going to tell you something, and I'm gonna I'm I'm curious if you'll be surprised. I've played and finished all three of those. I know, so, I'm not surprised. They're very good games. They're very good games, but I'm not really a gamer. But those are games that I've made. But yeah. I also I did no extra. I don't want to know anything else. But I no. just wanted to play it. I just needed to know my no. guy's thing. Fair enough. You know, um, but I have played all those, and I see what you're saying, and I like that. See, that's the difference, I guess, is that I like that all that exists. I don't necessarily need to read all of it, but I think it's good. Yeah. 
um, that that's a thing. Uh, you know, like that, that all that's all there in the background, I guess. Um, right. But it feels like this was this was cool and really well planned. And again, you know, it didn't it, I've, you know, felt a lot a lot more cohesive and interesting than say Trillium was, which is very experimental. I think, whereas whereas this was a little, a little easier to grab onto. So I'm looking forward to reading more. Um, we have to talk about the Star Wars books when they come out because I don't know how not to. Um, and this week, uh, <laughs> Princess Leia number one. I'm sure that there's like the people who are listening who don't really care about Star Wars. Like, oh, we're gonna keep doing this. And it's, yes, yes, we are. Um, this is a unique time in Star Wars, and uh, this is all canon apparently. So uh, there we are. Mark Wade, very interesting choice on Princess Leia number one uh, with art uh, uh, by Terry Dodson, and of course Rachel Dodson on inks, and Jordi Belair on colors. I'm curious to why you think uh, Mark Wade was an interesting choice for this book. I just, I mean, like uh, maybe maybe this is, I don't, I think I don't think of him as like a Star Wars. I think of him like a superhero guy. Like I think, oh, he's the guy who fixes Superman. Like that's who he is. <laughs> and I, I don't know why that I wouldn't think that would apply to, to Star Wars. Um, but none of the people on the Star Wars books are people who I would think. But I, I don't know, it just because I think of him as a superhero guy, and I know that that's wrong. And I've read stuff of his that wasn't superhero that was good, but that's. <laughs> That was my instinct. Um, all right. But uh, have you been reading all the Star Wars books? Keeping up on things? Uh, I have. I yeah. have. I have. I have loved every uh, every one of them. Yeah. Uh, I will admit, though, this one out of the three books, this one is probably one. Uh, I would rank number three uh, out of them. Probably. Yes. Is that us being like Princess Leia? Is that like our eight-year-old boy who doesn't want to play with the Princess Leia toy, or is that no? Uh, no, I just um, to me, uh, like my favorite, my favorite one of the of them all is Darth Vader. I think that book is just the bee's knees. I think you're right. Um, uh, the the Leia that Jason Aaron's writing, um. To me, feels a bit closer to the Leia uh, to, to Leia that I, I don't know if I, don't, or I want or what. Um, I thought this Leia was this was fine, but I felt like she was a background character in this in this particular first issue. Um, I like there were a lot of things happening around her, mm-hmm. um, and not necessarily her um, doing anything. But I think that's the deal. Because I mean, like I feel like this is. Very intelligently gleaned from situation. Like, he's like, well, who is she? What's happening around her? And she's trying to figure out where she fits in. Is she going to be a background character? Is she going to be a princess? And what is that going to mean? And how, you know, how do other people, you know, which is a very introspective way of doing it, but I don't think it's not valid. I think it was, like, like one of the things is, is the sort of whether it's okay to fit these stories in between the stories. And this one literally picks up, like as the fi- as the as episode four ends, I mean literally, like like mm-hmm. the last shot of that is the beginning yeah. of this, and it's where we walk backstage with them after Chewie doesn't get a medal, and <laughs> I was like, "Is your chance, Mark?" Nope. Oh no, we've left your medal back here, Chewie. Here it is. I'm sorry, and that just that fixes everything. You could have done it, but you didn't. <laughs> um, so I I kind of like it's, but I don't know if that feels very Star Wars. Because I don't think of Star Wars as being terribly introspective. Yeah, you know, and I think that's 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 part of my that's part of my thing. Where um, I, I I guess I expected um, 
more. I guess I, I maybe I wanted more action in it, uh, but but yeah, I think I think that's it. I just I don't necessarily think. Um, I mean, these books are a perfect opportunity to spend more time with these characters and you know to get to know them more. You know, w- within the context of uh, the quote unquote canon that it that it takes place in. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and don't get me wrong, I I liked it. Uh, yeah, uh, I did it was too. Just, there was just something about it that just I didn't. I wanted to like it as much as I liked the other two. Yeah, but you know what? I didn't think it was going to feel like that, and it didn't. It's a different kind of book, and I'm I'm kind of okay with that. I don't love Terry Dodson as a rule. I don't think it's bad. It's just uh, it's it's not exactly yeah. my favorite style. I mean, it's got Admiral, it had Admiral Ackbar in it. And it did, I, and Admiral Ackbar was kind of a dick. Yeah. <laughs> which I which as I say it out loud, I like it even more. <laughs> we got to spend some time with General Dodonna. That's that's never been something I've done before. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I liked I like the the sort of the politics of oh right, some of the people are from Alderaan and they're you know they're not sure she doesn't know how to act and you know she's adopted and uh, it's all that was kind of it's funny that that somebody called her on not sort of talking enough about her dead parents, whereas whereas Luke's aunt and uncle were burned alive in front of him and he never mentioned them again. Mm-hmm. it's funny uh i don't know how you know i know you're a big star wars guy but i don't know how deep your star wars nerd nerddom goes um and this is going to be a sort of an unabashed plug for uh my website comicbook.com um uh, i've got a writer who does uh easter eggs for the, all the star wars books and there was one in particular that i thought was brilliant um do, do, can you decode uh Arboresh? The sort of that written language of like arrows and I saw it, yeah, but I can't decode it. I definitely noticed it because they they got rid of it. Yeah, uh, no, they added it. It was not in the originally. The it was in it, the original movies as they existed were in um, English or basic, right? As we would say in the Star Wars universe, and then they switched it to that. Uh, but I didn't. Mm-hmm. I just recognized it. There's a scene in it where uh, she's asking R two for. Uh, you know what what r2 d2 thinks and he's he essentially says if you decode it i've got a bad feeling about this nice uh, and i was like i was like oh that is that is some great stuff wow um and it's, and it's, and it's funny because like you can there's little like head nods and things like that that you can tell that like either mark wade is a huge star wars fan they, or he's certainly done his homework they did they devoted the whole panel to that I'm looking at it yeah. right now. So, like, that's completely wasted space unless you know what that says because there's nothing else going on in that panel. Two panels, actually. Right. Yep. Interesting. Exactly. All right. Well, well done. Yep. Guy. Um, there you go. So, you know, I'm, I'm going to keep reading it. I wasn't like, ugh. But, you know, <laughs> it's like all of them. I sort of approach them trepidatiously. And I'm like, I liked some of it. Some of it I'm not sure about. It's like, you know, it's like early mm-hmm. sexual experiences. No, it's not like that. It's literally the exact opposite of that. <laughs> Um, I want to quickly uh, touch on Nameless number two from Grant Morrison and Chris Burnham uh, from Image. Uh, first one, uh, I wasn't sure. I was like, I liked some of it. I didn't like a lot of it. I didn't understand it. Um, I thought this one was way more, the second one was way more grounded. I, I knew everything was going on the whole time for the most part. Um, and I've, I'm, I'm at the point where I find this main character really interesting. I don't think I could put my finger on him at first. Um cool. And I get the idea of the spacesuits with the sigils and, and like there's a whole magic thing that's going on. It's it's starting to feel like really strong Grant Morrison. Um big step up from the first issue basically would be what I would say. Uh yeah. you reading this book? 
Uh, I read uh, the first one. I haven't had the chance to read uh, the second one, but uh, one of the things that keeps me sort of coming back to it is, is I really like the creative team of Grant Morrison and Chris Burnham. Sure. Um, I I think that they just you know and it's I think there there is it's a fantastic time in comics right now because there are so many creative teams who are just on point with one another. And I think a lot, I mean, a lot of it has to do with, you know, image, you know, a lot of image books, you know, working in that, working that way. But Grant Morrison and Chris Burnham are definitely one of those teams. Even when Grant Morrison books sometimes will go over my head, he's usually paired with, you know, such a fantastic artist that, um, the art is enough to get me through the story and I'll understand it. And hopefully the next issue I'll understand it a bit better. Uh, sort of like, it's sort of like John Hickman books in, in that way sometimes. But, mm-hmm. um, but, but yeah, no, I'm definitely gonna, I'm reading it. Just one of those, one of those things that just sort of didn't fit in the schedule. Yeah. You, you'll, you'll, I, I, I mean, I think that, uh, Burnham is is uh, is really put himself in a nice spotlight for this one too. Like, there's a lot of really nice pages where, you know, I'm I'm not gonna say he does he fits he fits very much in the quietly mold. Like, it, it's mm-hmm. definitely reminiscent of him. But he's also then he's also doing a lot of things that 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 quietly does. Um, also, well. also a guest on Let's Talk Comics. Yeah, yeah. Are there any? Is there anyone who isn't at this point? <laughs> Fairly <laughs> prolific. What well, no, Frank Quitely? <laughs> Probably not. Yeah, um, not yet. Uh, great, great. Like he, I'm not saying like he's a, he's a quietly clone. He's not, but he does a mm-hmm. lot of the things that quietly does really well. And as such, he pairs up very nicely with Morrison. Yep. Um, great. I thought it was a, I thought it was a really nice, uh, really uh, the second issue. I thought was was a big step up from the first one. So I'm glad that it went in that direction. Uh, Guardians yes. team up number one: Brian Bendis and Art Adams. I actually did read this one, but I think this is going to be more in your wheelhouse. So what did you think? <laughs> <laughs> it was uh, 20 pages of Art Adams goodness. Good God almighty. Um, it, I mean, it was your st- – it's your standard team-up fair with uh, uh, the Guardians of the Galaxy as you know. Them. Uh, so Groot, Star-Lord, Gamora, Star, uh, Rocket, um, and uh, I think Venom, Venom was in the book still and, and Captain Marvel. Uh, teaming up with uh, the, the newer – the newer Avengers team from Jonathan Hickman's book. But, uh, it, to me, um, it's very, if you've only seen the movies friendly, um, you know, even with some of the extra, uh, random Avengers characters, but it's pretty much guardians are on the run from a mysterious giant ship that's, uh, staffed with, uh, the creepy Chitari, um, you know, redesigned as they showed up in the Avengers movie. Uh, they crash in, you know, right down the block from Avengers Tower, and the Avengers, you know, have to help them out. And you find out that at the end, uh, Nebula, for some reason, is uh, going after her half sister Gamora for, for some undetermined reason. But it doesn't matter because, good God. Look at that Art Adams art. Now, now you're you're an Art Adams guy. Like I missed him, you know, wherever I was in because I was in comics for a while and then I was out. Like so, I had my Art Adams Wolverine poster that everybody had, but I wasn't like ever a huge Art Adams guy. And I I gotta say, like I there was this was definitely kind of cool, but I didn't love it. Um, and I noticed huh. that a there's no inker, there's only a penciler and a colorist, uh, which I thought was kind of interesting. B, well, I, Art Adams pencils so tight that if you just turn up the contrast, you've got it. Yeah, I'm sure. 
Uh, I don't know. For some reason, it doesn't do anything for me. And there was a couple of times where I thought there was some storytelling issues. I know. I'm not supposed to say those things. <laughs> well, to me, I, I mean, I missed Art. I mean, I missed Art Adams. I only, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, yeah. found Art Adams when, um, you know, I got into comics in, you know, the mid 2000s. And, um, but there's something about his, uh, attention to, to de- like just his attention to detail and the amount of detail he's able to pack in on some of those pages. is just, uh, like there's, a, you understand why it takes him so long to do a book, yeah, um, or you know, or why he only does. Um, I mean, it, it, to be fair, like, if there's one slight criticism I have of Art Adams's work is that so, his faces sometimes all look the same. Yeah, I think it's um, and he's but with these god uniforms. <laughs> Just the designs he, across the board. I was like, oh, stop. But he, but he is able to draw scale and epicness yeah. like like no other. I think like you know, you, there's a scene where the this giant. I mean, like he makes that ship that Nebula is driving look enormous, and yeah. like it is not going to fit through you know down a tiny avenue street you know in Manhattan, and it's you, its wings are just tearing apart buildings. Um, and in comparison, like the Guardian ship looks like a net to it. Yeah. Uh, and there's, and there's just something about that, that to me just makes, it makes the book feel so much more epic and it just, for some reason it feels like an event. Um, and it's not, it's just a, it's a team up book. We're going to ground the, the guardians in the ground, aren't we? We're just going to grind them right into the ground and and use up every rocket and group moment that we can possibly (laughs) get out of these characters until you never want to see them again. That's the way I'm starting to feel (laughs) a little bit. I I tried to read it and I kind of read it, but I kind of just went, Oh, look at the art. I went through it that way because it was, it was a lot of, it was was, was very, I I mean, I I, was very typical. Well, I've been a fan of Brian's characterizations of the guardians, um, since he took over, since he took over the book. Um, I, I missed the boat on the Abnett and Lanning stuff. That's all I can start Um, thinking. I was like, everybody out there should be bowing to those two guys. (laughs) (laughs) And, and, and I've gone back to read that stuff and, and I've thoroughly enjoyed it. Um, but, uh, I've, I very much, I, I mean, I really enjoy the way Sam Humphreys writes, uh, star Lord, but, um, you know, I think a lot of that, you know, sort of comes from both one, the movie, and two, uh, how Brian set it up in the comics. But, um, but it was it was a ton of fun, uh, and I mean, you you get the Art Adams art, and you know, the Bendis story is just icing on the cake to me. So this week we have a sponsor. This episode is brought to you by Scribd. Scribd is like a Netflix for comics. With a subscription, you'll get access to more than 10,000 comics from Marvel, IDW Top Shelf, Valiant, Dynamite, Archie, and more. They're the only subscription service that gives you all that variety for one monthly price. On top of that, you're going to get unlimited access to their huge library of ebooks and audiobooks. There's more than 1 million titles altogether. They're all available anytime, anywhere. So head over to scribd.com slash ifanboy to start with a free month. Even more importantly, Scribd makes sure that you can find your way to the comics and books you're going to love. They've got hundreds of collections curated by their teams of editors, and uh, as you read, they'll tailor the recommendations based on the ones that you loved or the ones that you didn't love. Uh, so go to scribd.com slash ifanboy right now, and you're going to get a free month uh, to get started, that's 30 days of unlimited reading. That is more than Hulu or Netflix if you were to get a trial there, which is kind of cool. Um, you'll be supporting the show, and so it's a big win-win for everybody. That's 
C-R-I-B-D.com slash iFanboy. Uh, thanks for supporting the show. And that's really cool. That's a thing that we've talked about that would be cool. People said for years, there should be a Netflix for comics. Uh, it's starting. So so there you go. Support it, and, and, and it'll grow. The future is here. Yes. Choice of distribution and consumption. Um, <laughs> let us continue uh, through this part. Uh, we got Spider-Woman number five. Tell, talk to me about it. Uh, it's um, so Spider Woman in her new costume with a new artist. It's Dennis Hopeless and Javier Rodriguez. And if you like what Javier Rodriguez was able to do uh, over on Daredevil, you are going to love this book. This is just fantastic stuff. I mean, don't um, you know? Spider Woman launched amidst Spider Verse, and then it also launched a Greg Land. Greg Land has his fans. Greg Land has his detractors. But I feel like this is. It's almost unfair that this book is starting with number five and not a new number one because it feels like uh, a completely different direction for the book. Spider Woman's new costume is uh, is great, and was, you know, was Hopeless the writer all along? Hopeless is the, Hopeless is the writer all along. Okay, um, and the story and the story's been the story's been fantastic. I think I um, uh, initially the you know when it got saddled with some of the Spider-Verse stuff, it made it a little harder to sort of get into, uh, which is why I said I feel like like this issue fully deserved a new uh, you know a new number one and what you know marvel's not a stranger to doing that they could have done it yeah um but i'm, uh, I'm, I'm gonna check this out that was en- what you've told me was yeah. enough enough to make me want to know more i just wanted yep. to uh tip my cap to uh charles soul and and uh jesus Saiz, uh uh on swamp thing with number 40 uh <laughs> i'm famous for this uh i think it's this last issue it was was all about ending and like he went like soul went kind of nuts with this one it was like a lot of stuff that happened but he put this big sort of background allegory to telling a story in the background and at one point uh swamp thing tries to he fuses with some paper because paper is made from trees and he ends up in this like story world and i was like holy shit you went all grant morrison on that like i don't know it's like it's my last issue i'm gonna go crazy with it um, but it's been a big, big. I'm story. gonna miss this book. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I've, I've liked it. Um, I've, I've kept coming back, uh, the whole time. And you know, they built a thing up, and it wasn't didn't get tiresome like too many Ring Lantern people. Um, so uh, it was good. And and like like it was one big cohesive story. Stuff from the beginning, uh, you know, was in the at the end. So so it was all no, nothing happened for no reason. Um, I dug that. I don't know that I have anything to say about Saga 26 other than at the end I was like damn it that book is good give give me more seal yeah I love, I love that guy yeah but, any, but guy. even so like like, like there's some stuff that really happened like like yeah. like Bri- Brian Vaughn is the master of the last page mm-hmm. and he break, break oh he'll break your heart Brian Vaughn will break your heart that's what he'll do <laughs> more than anyone <laughs> Yeah, and he did. Well, it's, funny. it's funny now. Uh, it's funny. I've I've actually been. I feel like I've been on the show every time an issue of Saga has come out, and they don't come out that often. So it's you know yeah. weird. But anyway, like this book is just one of those. I, I finally understand when you guys are like talking about a book that's always been consistently so good. It's like what the hell else do you say yeah. more about this book? It's good if you're not reading it. Jesus Christ, start reading it. But like I I've, like I made a joke on Twitter. Like like no one's like oh what a disappointing issue of Saga. It doesn't happen. Like, like a disappointing issue of Saga is a four point five out of five. Like, it's like, oh, that's kind of, that's kind of only excellent. Um, <laughs> but like, it was so good. Even though I don't have anything to say. I just I have to mention. It. But he to- he totally broke my heart. Um, 
Yeah. I want to do a Vertigo check-in. Uh, the names, number seven. There's nine issues in this miniseries. Any chance you're reading this one? I am not. Okay. Uh, this is um, uh, Leandro Fernandez on art and Peter Milligan on the story. And it's a weird story. And I just about dropped it. And then I was like, oh, there's two issues left, three issues left. I'll, I'll, I'll finish it off. And so they're having to wind it up and explain things. And thankfully, I can say that like, I was like, oh, okay, I, I think I understand this. It's strange, but it's really pretty to look at. And I like watching him work his way through it. And I like these kinds of things that I, I just I like that there's some life left in Vertigo because um, I'm not ready to give up on it yet. I also read Wolf Moon, this, this <laughs> which I've been reading. and It's good. Um, and there's a really nice sort of twist at the end of this issue, and there's a couple of, like, it's a bunch of like it's a bunch of trains coming together all at the same time, and it's going to collide. And it's just such a strange, it's a strange little world they've come up with. I I don't even there's no like if you're not reading at this point, uh, you won't understand. And if you are, you'll know what I'm talking about. So I'll just that's as vague as I'll be. Um, do you uh, let let let's tell you what I'm going to give you? I can't talk this whole time. So why don't you tell people <laughs> one way that they can support the show? Uh, we'll see how you do with it. All right, I'm going to try not to screw this up. Okay. Um, ifanboy.com slash Amazon. Don't go to Amazon.com. Go to ifanboy.com slash Amazon to do any of your Amazon shopping. Because anything that you buy on Amazon, you know, if you're going to do a big screen TV, maybe you're, you're in the market or uh, you're going to buy a mattress. I just bought a mattress recently. From and Amazon? From, from Amazon, it came rolled up in a box and it is the best mattress I've ever slept on. Wow. So, you know. So go to ifanboy.com slash Amazon. Did you pick it based then, on Amazon reviews? I picked it based on Amazon reviews. <laughs> yep. And which, which, which is how I, how I pick everything. My wife is pregnant, picked up a body pillow, and uh, I picked it up because the reviews were essentially, this will save your marriage. I said, well, my marriage doesn't need saving, but it's good to have extra insurance. You don't, you don't know. <laughs> you don't know. So uh, what I'm saying though is, so I'm going to go for the big fish. You're working at a company. You're the guy who's in charge of buying stuff. You got the purchasing power. Make that the make yeah. get, make that the, the the shortcut. Get that the, get that link yeah. on there. So when you got to make a big there we go enterprise purchase, then then then, then you know. I'm just saying that's something. You anything can. anything I can do to help you guys out. All right, good work. Uh, you can also go to ifanboycom slash registration to more directly contribute uh, should you want to. Uh, you, you, can, uh, you can make cash donations to the show in any amount you want, or you can sign up for a regular uh, contribution of $3 a month or just $30 a year. Um, that is uh, a person who does that. Uh, well, you're going to get a foot rub. I in no way mean that literally, um, but, but I feel like you should get a foot rub, and I just don't want to touch your feet. But no, thank you very much for everybody who does that uh, and who kicks in any way they can. Uh, you guys help keep this going, definitely, and we always appreciate it. Let us go through some questions here. Uh, Connor normally keeps time, so I think, <laughs> I think we're doing okay, but I am not the best timekeeper. I'm the, I, I fill time. That's what I do. He keeps time. I fill time. Um, you want to read this first question? I think you would be. I think it's sure that you're here for this. <laughs> All right. uh, great. All right. This first question comes from Tim B uh, uh, from the Great Unknown. You guys don't put it, locations in this, do you? They don't always give or them. To you just. Oh, if they don't give it to me, I can't write it. I want to do my do my. I want to do like a good Larry King like. Tim B. from Kalamazoo, Arkansas or something. Whatever. Anyway, um, he says, 
you must hear uh, from and run into comics industry types you talk to uh, on the show. Feel free to keep it anonymous, but I would love to hear about any awkward, bizarre, or downright hostile reactions you've encountered from creators or even companies based on your work with iFanboy. Keep up the fantastic work. That's not fair. Well, yeah, no. <laughs> okay, I, I'm going to say a thing. Now, now, you've worked on different sides of this. You've worked for the publishers, so you have a different... I'm sure you know all sorts of stuff you'll never be allowed to talk about, and we're all the poorer for it. That's fine, though. And I thought about this, uh, and I'm going to give you a really sort of uninteresting fact, is that 95% or more of the interactions that I have had with creators have been overwhelmingly positive. Mm -hmm. My interactions with comics professionals have been probably my favorite part of this entire thing. Uh, They're among the most interesting witty, intelligent, funny people, uh, and I'm continually uh, amazed. I mean, like, I meet people who I don't even like their work as much as I like them. Uh, oh. I've, I got dozens of those guys. And then, you know, there's guys whose work I like a lot, and, they, you know, they're not, but, I, you know, like, I don't have, like, a repository of horrible experiences. There's guys who, who, you know, we would go to shows. There's guys who would tell us, really, like, big guys. And it was it's always touching. It still is to, like, a really Im- guy who I think is important to comics will tell you, I really like what you're doing. And then you're like, you want to be on the show? And they're like, nope. Like, that's like <laughs> that's almost the weirdest it got. Like, there are, like, artists who, like, no, I'm not going to go on camera. I don't want to do that. I don't want to get on uh, I don't want to get on tape. Yeah. I don't want to do any of that. But, but, you know, like, they took time to say hi and do whatever. There are guys who are really interesting, and they suck on tape <laughs> for whatever reason. Yeah. I mean, like, what have what have you found? You must have. I mean, I, I sort of. I mean, sort of the same. Sort of the same way. Where, uh, you know, uh, the only thing that is could be considered "quote unquote" disappointing is, um, you know, someone who I thought I would be able to have a conversation with. I found out that maybe not. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's not a bad thing. I, you know, in the uh, it's just one of those things where um you know maybe i caught that person on a bad day or and you give them the benefit of the doubt but like i was saying one of the things i love about working in in comics are the people in comics yeah um i mean sure you know i'm sure that you know everyone has um you know there are there are crazies out there and sure. you know and you see them right like you don't you don't necessarily you know have to have the uh, personal crazy interaction with them like they do just fine on their own <laughs> um but uh but yeah, no, it's the thing. Like, comics is so, filled with such great people who all care about comics that, um, you know, even people who I will meet for the first time who, you know, is a creator working on a book, um, that love of comics is just something that, that is in common with everyone that you can then figure out how to have a, you know, a different conversation. Well, I mean, uh, the thing I've always said is that, is that if you're working in comics... If you're talented enough to make it in comics, you could be making a lot more money doing almost anything else with that talent and with mm-hmm. that drive. And you're in it, be, you know, not even making more money. You could be living an easier life. It's hard to be a comics creator full time. Like it's it's a lot of work, and the rewards are you know sometimes they're very good, but more often than not, it's it's a lot of work. Um, let me see if I I got all right. I got one story. I got it's it's not even like it's like it's like a Facebook thing. A friend of mine who's a pro had said something about, you know, his wife who has like a real job. And I made a joke uh, that that one of the things and I totally believe this to be true, by the way. One of the best things you can have as a comic book creator is a spouse with a steady job and insurance. 
<laughs> and this one guy who's sort of I don't I didn't really know him like I'd seen his name he's just sort of one of those artists like got really mad at me <laughs> and then like other artists got mad at me because of it guys who were friends of mine they were like no you can support a family you can I was like okay it's easier if you don't <laughs> like, it was just, so I had to apologize and it was a whole thing and I was like mm-hmm. so you never know um that's the first, well, that's the only thing that's happened in a while besides I. Like it's the hard. only the only weird thing I can think of is there is there's someone in particular who no matter what mm-hmm. has given quite possibly the same interview <laughs> for maybe two years now. Mm-hmm. Like no matter what the questions are, no matter what questions get asked, the same answers the same answers pop up, and it's I am mystified by how he's able to to do that. Um, but that's it. Yeah, I yeah. I remember the time that we interviewed. I think I've said this on here, but we, we interviewed Mark Bagley, and he was like, "I'll do it," but as long as I don't have to stop drawing, which I thought was so perfect. <laughs> so, like, we did the video interview with him, and he never stopped drawing or looked up the entire time, <laughs> which is difficult. <laughs> um, I mean, well, you've all seen like it's funny because we haven't done video interviews in a while, so those are really the ones that that would happen on. Yeah. I haven't done any interviews for a while because I kind of we cut back, as you may or may not know. I remember that like. Every interview I ever did with James Robinson was incredibly awkward. And I thought, he really doesn't like me. But that's not the case. Like, it was just kind of awkward. And then I was like, and I did it three times. I kept going back. I was like, this time it'll be perfect because I love James Robinson and I love his work. But uh, we were not meant to do each, uh, interviews on camera with each other. So, nice. But that's cool. It's fine. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of times the things that make somebody a fantastic artist, not necessarily the thing that make them the best person to be interviewed. So... I don't have any hostile reactions, though. I can't say anything that's like that's never happened. Yeah. Uh, so there, maybe that's not what you were looking for, but you even got a couple of names, so that's something. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I'm gonna skip to this last one because <laughs> it's so damn charming. <laughs> Caleb H. of North Wales writes, "Dear I fanboy, my dad listens to your show, and he said if I should, he said I should send this in." Uh, Caleb's eight. Uh, today in my school, we had a lesson all about comic books. They taught us about shouting, whispering, pauses, thinking, direction, timing, sound effects, movement, and panels. Next week, I can make my own comic about Super Mario Smash, Ma- Super Mario Smash Brothers. Do you think schools should teach more about comics? Well, we're we're a biased audience. What do you think, Jim? <laughs> that's a lot. That's a lot of learning about comics. For it is. <laughs> I got so excited reading that. I was like, oh my god, they're teaching them about lettering. i mean because there's things there that i still don't fully understand um but uh i mean i mean obviously the answer is yes yes uh it was it's actually funny i mean he's a far he's far away off from this but um i got i mean there were a few uh, courses offered at the college i went to um you know about comics where you know as a final i got to turn in like a, a script that's amazing. Uh, which is which is kind of kind of exciting. But um but yeah, no, I mean if you, you know, just even looking, I mean there are a number of ways we you can approach this, right? There's like, you know, comics can be used at an elementary and middle school level, it could be used in a high school level, and it could be used on a university level. I think comics are created on um have so many layers that, you know, can be explored and taken apart. Um almost like Legos, right? And, and people of all ages enjoy Legos. And I feel like comics sort of work the same way um, in approaching 
one, how they get made, why there's an important, um, you know, why it's important from an, an art standpoint and a culture standpoint that, yeah, I mean, good, good on you, Caleb. Well, yeah, I think that's interesting is that a lot of times for years people have been asking about, like, should they use comics in school? But it's always should we use comics to teach things that we would have taught with other methods? So, mm-hmm. like, instead of reading a textbook or instead of watching a movie, should you read a comic? You know, if you, okay, you want to teach about the Holocaust, you show mouse. Right. Yeah. This is not that. This is the 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 language semantics and 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 techniques of comics which is really interesting and my immediate answer is yes because it's it's a you know it's it's another storytelling art form and if you're telling people how to tell one kind of story or another but at eight that's pretty amazing yeah because you don't teach you know they don't teach movies you know like at eight they don't teach you know uh how a novel works necessarily you sort of read the stuff and you pick it up and then later you know you might be taught a little more about how that goes but uh i love i i love it i i think so many kids teach themselves to read using comics my my son who's 5 um he got he got some lego batman uh toys and one of them came with a lego batman comic in it but there's no words just like the video games huh so the whole thing is sequential art mm-hmm. And so That's he cool. asked me, could I read it to him? And I was like, no, because, you know, I don't care. No, uh, no, but like I, I was going to, but I was like, no, but no, the thing was that I saw that I had no words and I thought, because you can't read yet. I start to, but you know, like I was huh. like, you can read this on your own. There's no words. All you have to do is follow the pictures. And there's something wonderful about that. There's something great about that. And when you're talking about that right away, I love shouting, whispering, pauses, like talking about like what the words look like. And mm-hmm. what that means they sound like. I think that's great stuff to teach kids. I think that it, it greatly in, contributes to, to, to literacy, to, you know, the way that the way that you uh, take in anything else, whether it's novels or cinema or, or whichever. It's great. You should totally do that. Panels, how, you know, how they move. Um, Sound effects. Yeah. That's, oh, it's so good. It, you know, and that's all so creative. Mm-hmm. It's like everything can just sort of like – kids kids are great with that stuff you know like draw the pic you can make once they can make their own comics they can start te- storytelling even earlier than like say that they could write you know paragraphs of something so yeah go for it that's rad the, good luck with your comic caleb one of the one of the best sound effect creators in this business is fred van lente <laughs> his his books always have the most creative sound effects and they're fantastic i am all about the sound effects on the board now and and it's no disrespect to my lettering friends, mm-hmm. uh, but but when they dr- when when sound effects are drawn into the art, oh yeah, uh, that does that does it for me, man. That's yeah. that's the greatest. Um, which brings me to a point about uh, Descender is that I don't like it when they use too many different weird fonts. Oh yeah, that's oh, I hate I, that. Oh, that was something I was gonna say. That was the only thing that really bothered me was the they were different. There were like different fonts, and, and they were different sized. So, oh that, uh, yeah, that makes it harder to read for some reason. Yep. Um, there's a there's a there's a there's an uh, there's a letter I I like very much, uh, but he has a font that gets used sometimes that I really hate. Mm. <laughs> and it's like a it's like supposed to be like I don't know Norse or you know some sort of ancient sort of language font, and I just it's I don't think it's necessary. Just, just do it. But, um, to each their own. 
I got to talk about lettering. I love to talk about lettering. I used to make fun <laughs> of people years ago. You talk about lettering. I, I totally love it. It's like the secret language of comics. And you're teaching it to eight-year-olds in Wales. That's the best. Uh, you can email us at contact at iFanboy. Uh, you can leave a voicemail at 888-FANBOYS, which is 326-2697. Tell us who you are, where you're from. Try to keep it around 30 seconds. Um, we, we teased the thing about WonderCon. Uh, details are going to come up about that uh, coming forward, which is going to be a really good story about uh, comic creators we had uh, uh, dealings with. Uh, Jim, what's going on in your world? So you're teasing something two weeks in a row? I, I don't have the details yet, so I can't. <laughs> the last week we weren't sure it was going to happen. Now I know it's going to happen, but I can't say what it is yet. Keeping so. them on their toes. Yeah, what are you going to do? Um, I got a few things going on, you know. Yeah. Uh, Let's Talk Comics has gone to a bi-weekly schedule because, well, I'm having a baby and moving into a house. So um, that takes up a lot of time. <laughs> so <laughs> I, I, I really don't want to be one of those guys, but I was I just in my mind, I was like, you have no idea yet, dude. Yeah. Nope, I know. Um, but no, but it gives, me, it, it gives me a bit more time to, one, uh, have, uh, you know, well, not have to necessarily worry um, and have some longer conversations with some folks. I have some great guests lined up. Um, I mean, I've, I've had a bunch of part ones with a, a number of people who I've been dying to get back for part twos, like Mike Mignola, um, uh, Jim Valentino. Uh, where like we just I, we just scratched the surface with Jim Valentino, and, and that guy is someone who ha- is responsible for so many gigantic names in comics today that like he does not get nearly the amount of credit I think that man. Deserves. I feel I feel the same way about about Bob Shrek. Mm. Bob Shrek's the same way when you sort of tie him into all of the people in comics. Not to take away from Valentino, absolutely, but it's yeah. like the same kind of deal. Yeah, uh, and you know, and so so yeah, so they're so they will all be coming back with uh, with some new faces, um, and uh, yeah, and that's keep trucking every mon- every other Monday at www.letstalkcomics.com. And then of course, if you uh, need a fix, a comics news fix, geek news fix, head on over to comicbook.com. Because it is, uh, it's where you get that kind of stuff. It's, it's keeping you busy then. It's keeping me busy. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, how long did you keep up one a week? Uh, a year. I did it. I, my, that was my goal. I wanted to do it, at least do it for a full year. That's great. That's yep. fantastic. Yeah, no, I absolutely recommend your show. It's the show that I really never had time to do, but always wanted to. So, uh, so good work with that. Um, and then, if you haven't listened, if you haven't gone back and listened, there's a there's a treasure trove uh, of stuff that you can listen to, or you can just listen to Gabe Hardman's show over and over again. Wasn't wasn't that one great? It was it was like a, it was like a special present. <laughs> My question, like like, what's the greatest experience you've had with 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 comic creators? Anytime I got to talk to Gabe, <laughs> yeah. and they they hired me this kid, seventeen years old, to guard the MoMA or whatever the whatever it was. <laughs> Uh, oh God, it was so good. <laughs> That's, I don't know that you can you can ask for a better endorsement, but I'm I'm saying I just play that on a loop. <laughs> it's good times. Uh, so you can go over to ifanboy.com. You can comment on this show. You can talk about this week's books. You can find out about all the other podcasts you've got going on. You can follow us at facebook.com slash ifanboy or at ifanboy on Twitter. And you can follow us individually at J.A. Flanagan or C.S. Kilpatrick. And are you, are you Jay Viscardi? Or, or Jim Viscardi. Jim Viscardi. Okay. Yep. I, I just yep. see the name. I don't know. We're all friends here. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Want to handle the next bit? Yeah, sure. And look, if you love this show... There is a great way to support the show by writing a review over on the iTunes 
Or, you know what? Tell your friends. Introduce your mom to podcasts and help spread the iFanboy love. Well, there you go. Uh, thank you uh, for valiantly filling in and mentioning Valiant while we were there. So that was good. That worked, too. Uh, there we go. I hope you had fun. And I hope that nobody at home has any idea about the technical difficulties that we just had to deal with. It's fine. It's and fine. I sort of got the pick of the week. So I'm going to take that as a win. Yeah, it's awesome. I was so glad. <laughs> I was like, I'm totally going to be talking about this by myself. I was just, I was just preparing. So that, that was super pleasing. That's good. All right. Well, thanks, man. No, thank you. So I, I'm supposed to say my name. See, because I'm Josh. And I'm Jim. There we go. See you next week.